Here at Doxedo Bloom, we're excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope you enjoy today's message. Now, what we're going to do today is we're ending off our series, God With Us. This is the fourth part of our four-part series. And we've been journeying um, around this one key verse. It's Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. It says the following. You can read with me on the screen. It says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God with us. Us. And it's this series centers around the thing that we celebrate in this time, the festive season. We celebrate Christmas, and that is God with us. And we're looking at what does it look like when God's presence is with us in the different seasons of life. And we've looked, we kicked off with God with us in the valleys. And we've said, you know, many times we enjoy God on the mountaintops. It's woohoo, exciting stuff. But in the valleys, that's the place where we get to know Him intimately. And then what does it look like when God is with us? us in the wilderness and we said well God whispers in the wilderness he whispers and why does God whisper because he's close that's why he whispers and then on Christmas we looked at we actually skipped a little one and we're going to do that today but on Christmas we looked at the conclusion in a sense that God is with us and he will always be with us because of Jesus. There's never going to be a time that we need to doubt or wonder or worry whether God will be with us. He has shown it already that his intent is to be with his creation, and it's been through Jesus. And we looked at the meaning behind Christmas, um, and what does it mean when Jesus came. So today, we're going to look at God in the storms with us. What does it look like when God is with us in the storm? So I found the weather quite appropriate for this morning's sermon, seeing that there is a nice storm, but not really. It's just like a nice rain. But last night there were a few few thunderstorms. And, and honestly, let me just be open about this. I, re- I really think that South Africans do not understand the severity of a storm. We don't know big storms. I mean, we had a storm at the beginning of this year. I don't know if you guys can still remember that one. It's like a hailstorm there in the southern parts of Bloemfontein. Felt like everything was just flooded because of that massive amount of rain that came down and hail came in, coming down. But it's still not even really, really a storm. So I thought, let me quickly just tell you guys about a real storm. And this is the storm of Hurricane Katrina. If everybody, anyone has heard of that storm, probably you've heard about it. It's a very famous storm. It's a storm in America, and America is actually quite used to getting storms like this. It happened on the coast of Louisiana, and it was 29th of August 2005 when this storm hit. It had wind speeds of up to 195 kilometers an hour. That is the wind speeds that was blowing. It claimed the lives of 1,836 people. Now, to quickly just put that in perspective, one storm just claimed... 900 people less than the catastrophe of 9-11, with two skyscrapers falling on one another. That's the reality. It's seen today as the most deadliest storm in all of U.S. history. There hasn't been one that has been so fatal. In fact, it happened in 2005, and today still they are experiencing some of the effects of that storm as they're busy working through it in the country. Now, the reality with storms is that they are violent, they are dangerous, they can stir up fear in the bravest of souls and hearts, and if you've seen one and you've experienced one, you'll know what I'm talking about, and honestly, storms are ugly, 
They are really not cool things. They're really not nice to be in. And it's here that I want to quickly push the pause button. I want to ask a question that has bothered me for quite some time. Have you ever wondered why people give storms the name of people? Why do they name storms after people? I mean, it really doesn't make sense. It's like Hurricane Katrina, Hurricane Irma, Hurricane Harvey, and I don't know what else. But the Americans love naming their storms after people. Imagine for a moment, we would do our everyday activities, we give them names. Like tomorrow I rock up at Donnie, I'm, oh, sorry Donnie, boss, I'm late. You'll never guess what happened. Hangover Howie happened last night, and he was a rough guy. I'm serious about that. That's the reason why I'm late. So sorry. Or you're apologizing to a friend and saying, sorry, I couldn't make it because diarrhea Diane just showed up, and she's like, she just thought, we want to go home or whatever, you know. Imagine we do that. We just don't do it. That doesn't make sense. So I went to go and look at when did this actually start. Um, the first time we see a storm being named after a person, before that, in America, it was named after the, the, the geographical space. But at a certain stage, they started switching over. And it was in 1954. Just some interesting facts, one of those free facts. You take it home today, share it with someone around a party, new nice party trick facts. 1954 it happened, and it was U.S. meteorologists that named storms after their wives or their girlfriends. I mean, hello, that is not smart. I mean, like, imagine, just imagine with me for a moment. You get home, you're like, honey, you'll never guess what happened today. So, Gerda, you'll never guess what happened today. Um, I discovered a level five storm. It's on its way. It's going to kill, like, thousands of people, going to leave destruction everywhere. And it reminded me of you. So... <laughs> I named, I named it after you. It's Hurricane Gerda. How do you feel now? Do you feel loved, honey? I'm like, no, that's not working. Come on, guys, where's the brains? Where's the brains? And then just by the way, this carried on for 25 years. And for 25 years long, storms were named after females. Only female names. No male names. I wonder why. Storm names only female. And then in 1979, finally, storms got their equal rights, and now they are also named after males. But so there's your few fun facts about storms. Unfortunately, however, even though we've laughed a little bit, the reality is, is that today there are people sitting right in our midst that is going through storms, and that are going through rough storms. Level five storms, storms that you are so tempted to name. Storm divorce, and I'm still struggling, and I just wish I can be through this storm. Storm depression, or can we just get through this financial storm? Can it just fight? When will the storm end? When will the wind stop blowing and the waters stop flooding? Maybe you're in a relational storm somewhere with close relatives or friends. And you just can't wait for this thing to stop. And it's blowing. The wind is blowing from every space and every side. Whatever your storm may be, here's the one reality that I can promise. It is not easy. It's not easy. And we always wish for storms to get past and get through. And we try and avoid them as well as we possibly can. But the reality is, is when we're in the midst of the storm... 
it's really rough and tough to deal with it. And in the midst of the storm, that's the place most people, unfortunately, decides to blame God for their storm. God, why are you doing this? Why is this happening? And we start questioning whether God even sees us in this. Is he even alive? Does he exist? Can he see what I'm going through? Father, can you see me? Do you, do you know that I, I know you were there in the past, but I cannot see you now. So here's the key idea. As we're going to journey through Acts chapter 27, that's all we're going to be spending time in. So if you want to open up your Bible there, you're more than welcome. It's also going to be on the screen. But here's the one big thing that I do not want you to forget. The key thought for today is that never should you let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of your God. Never let the presence of your storm cause you to doubt the presence of your God. That's what today's message is all going to be about. So if you want to go home now, you can go. We're going to start journeying through this. And we're going to look at a storm in the Bible. And the book of Acts chapter 27. And we're going to be reading there. So if you're opening up there, I'm going to quickly give you some background on it. And we're going to be reading from verse 20. But just to give you some background, this is Paul. He's on his way to Rome. He's going to be tried in Rome. And on his way there, he gets onto a ship. And he warns the guys. He tells them, listen, guys, we're not going to make it. There's going to be trouble on the way. I'm telling you, I got a dream. I know stuff like this. I'm connected with God. And the guy doesn't listen. And they're in this storm. The storm has been raging for days. And they don't even have food to eat anymore. It's been crazy. And we pick it up in verse 20. It goes as follows. It says, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and the storm continued raging. I wonder how many of us in the midst of our storms feels like this. It's just never ending. It's wave after wave. I just can't get a moment's rest. Even though I've went on holiday, it still feels like the waves are hitting me. It's just coming, coming. I've just talked to people about it like this, this morning. But you're in the middle of the raging storm, and it just feels like I'm not getting a break. That's where these guys were. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. I can resonate with that so much. And I've spoken to so many people that in the midst of the raging storm, when you get to that point, we just give up all hope. I'm never going to get through this. We're never going to get to the end. I just give up. Life is too much. This is the end. I lost my job. I'm trying my best to get a new job, but I just can't find it. No matter where I look and this country, how, how is it possible even to get a new job? That's the reality of these storms. And we are in a place where we lose hope. And that's the space where these guys were. They were hopeless. They were at their end. And then in verse 21, right at this very moment, Paul stands up. It says the following, after they'd gone a long time without food, Paul the Apostle, the one that encourages so many people, I mean, he goes out and he shares the gospel, stood up before them and he said, I mean, this is prime spot moment. Guys, you don't have hope. I have hope for you. That's Paul's moment. He's standing in front of the pulpit. What a great moment to share the gospel and listen to what he says. He says, men, you should have taken my advice. I told you so. Not to sail to Crete. 
I'm like, come on, Paul, really? <laughs> I mean, he was really a spiritual guy. He wrote a lot of books, and Jesus like used him so powerfully in the Bible. But in this verse, I can clearly see he was also just a normal human being that had that urge, that scratch, that like when somebody did something that you said they shouldn't be doing and they did it and you see them paying the price, the one thing you want to do is, I told you so. Am I right? <laughs> like, Paul, what is this? This is not the way to start the sermon. Not a good way. <laughs> Nobody's going to be laughing in this moment. But the reality is, is what Paul is saying is there is a piece of truth. And I want us to quickly look at what he's saying here. In many Christian circles, I've found this many times, we are very easy to blame the devil for our storms. Like, like I drive on the highway, I haven't serviced my cars for months, missed serving. I didn't go to check out and make sure that the tires are sorted. I'm on my way to holiday. Next moment, tire bursts. Oh, it's the devil. The devil is in front. No, 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 it's not the devil. It's just you didn't go and check your tires before you went on holiday. Just make sure that you check it out. And sometimes, guys, and I'm not saying that the devil is not dreaming about our lives and planning. Definitely there is. There is someone with an agenda to make sure that what God has planned for your life will not happen. That is true. But the reality is, is many of the storms that we find ourselves in are caused by ourselves. We caused them. And that was the case for these sailors. They didn't listen when there was someone to speak the truth. They said, no, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to listen to that. And they find themselves in a massive storm. You know, it's like your parents told you, your, um, your grandparents told you, your teacher told you, your, your pastor told you, do not go out with that boy. He is bad for you. Don't ever do that. And then you decided to date the guy. And now you're in a humongous storm that you don't want to be in. Sometimes the causes of our storms is us. We cause them. And I don't know about you, but those are the kind of storms that I find the most difficult and most impossible to actually scrape up little bits of hope in. I lose my hope so quickly because I realize this was me. I feel guilty. I feel stupid. I just feel overwhelmed with shame. How can anyone even, how can God even love me in the midst of this storm? I mean, it's, I'm getting what I deserve. That's where I'm sitting when I've caused my own storm. And then, Yes, there are storms that we don't cause. And there are people sitting in this room that have gone through storms, or maybe that's going through storms, that other people have caused in their lives. Maybe you've experienced one of those. Your life suddenly went into a storm after your work announced that they're going to be closing their doors and you get retrenched. And now you don't know where the next paycheck's coming from. And a storm is brewing in your life. Or maybe as a young boy or young girl, you heard your parents going to be divorcing. And suddenly, your life is in a storm and you don't know what to do. It's spiraling out of control. Or you've hoped and you've really depended on a friend and someone to come through on a promise that they've made to you. And they've just not done it. And now you're in deep trouble. And your life is in a storm and it's not your fault. 
whatever the case may be, whether it's a self-caused storm or whether it's someone else that caused it, in the middle of your storm, it's easy to give up hope. And that's where these guys were. And Paul is reminding them of the cause and the origin of their storm. But in the midst of that, he brings them hope. And that's where we're going next. So I'm not going to leave you guys there. And Paul doesn't leave these guys there. Let's read verse 22. It says the following. But now I urge you, speaking to these sailors, speaking to these people, that's hopeless. He says, I urge you to keep your courage. Why? Why should you keep your courage? Why should you stay filled with courage? Because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Wow, wow, that's good news, Paul. But how do you know that? How do you know that's going to happen? Verse 23, Paul's like, well, let me tell you how I know. I know because last night an angel of God to whom I belong and to whom I serve stood beside me. I'm like, whoa, 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 what, what, Paul, what angels? What are you talking about? Are you believing in that fairy tale stuff of angels? What's the story here? Now, I don't know about you guys, but I believe that there is a world, and there's far more to this world that we cannot see. There is a spiritual world. And I think if we can open up our eyes and we can see what's happening around us, we'll probably be, sh be scared because there's some angels around us. Probably there might be a massive angel right behind me right now, a massive one. Can you imagine? Let's... I'm joking, I'm joking. But, but just imagine, the reality is, is the Bible tells us there is a world like that. And here's the good news for you. If you are a follower of Jesus, His Spirit is in you. The Holy Spirit. Now, if you want to get the big boy of all the spiritual beings out, it's the Holy Spirit. That's the one. I mean, like when he walks down, down the road, all the guys just run for cover. He's the big man. He can make anything happen. And he's with you wherever you go. And that's exactly where Paul finds his courage. He finds it in the middle of that raging storm. He suddenly has a word. He suddenly has peace. He suddenly has hope. And it is because he had an encounter with something and someone out of this world that told him he will survive. Something so much bigger. You know, there's another story where the disciples discover exactly what Paul is speaking about. They, they are with Jesus in a little boat, and the storm is raging. And we know the story. It's a well-known story. And in the middle of this storm, the disciples, I mean, like, they're fighting for their lives. They are literally where the sailors are. We're not going to make it. We're going to die. It's over. It's gone. Tickets. We're going to heaven. It's over. And in the midst of the storm, the Bible tells us Jesus is sleeping in this boat doesn't even know what's going on. They go and wake Jesus up. Jesus is like, why are you guys worried? Come on. And the next moment, now I want you to imagine this. You're scared to death. Jesus is like, what's your story, guys? Come on, chill out. And like, Jesus, can't you see? Are you blind? What's happening with you? Are you crazy? And Jesus just stands up. Imagine that moment. He takes the authority that's in him. He speaks to the wind. speaks to the waves. And there's peace. Suddenly, storms calm. No more winds, no more waves, and there's peace. Here is the one thing that I want you to discover. Real peace is not in the absence of your storm. It's in the presence 
of the Prince of Peace, whose name is Jesus, that's in the middle of that storm and that can speak to the winds and the waves. I mean, the disciples are looking at this man and they're asking themselves, who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey his command? He must be, he must be God. Find your courage and your strength, not in the boat, but in the one who made the trees that made the boat. (laughs) Find your courage and your strength, not in your vessel or in the way out. Find it in the way, the truth and the life, the one that speaks to the storm, and the storm calms down. It's in his presence that there is peace. It's not in the absence of your circumstances. It's in that moment that you find strength. If you wanted an amen moment, it was here for you to take it because it's in the Prince of Peace. In our house last night, when we had a lacquer thunderstorm, there was this one big moment, big thunder. And I'll never forget it. It was very quick and classic, always what happens. Jean was in another room, and he was running like crazy to Dad and Mom. What's this thing? I don't know what's going on. And that's always what we do. And we actually have in our house, when we watch TV and stuff like that, we have some family time in in the TV room or family room and so on. We switch off all the other lights and so on just to save some, you know, ESCOM nowadays. You need to save, you know, in case. So we contribute and we save some um, electricity. But uh, that means the bathroom light is off. And um, the bathroom is quite a way away, but not too far. You can clearly see when you walk there. It's not too scary. But every single time one of my kids want to go to the bathroom and the light is off, they're too scared. They don't want to go because it's dark. It's uncertain. I don't know what's happening. You know, kind of, it's going to be a monster springing outside or whatever. I don't know what's going on. But what's interesting is, is then they would, be, the first thing they would do is they would come back to mommy or daddy and ask them, please come walk with me. The light is off. I cannot go to the bathroom. It's not like, I can't put on the light. I can put it on myself as well. But I just don't have the courage to do it on my own. And there is something in the presence of someone that you know is stronger, that you know is greater, wiser than you are when you're facing your fears. Just the presence of that person gives you courage. And strengthens you. And in the same ways, guys, when you know that Jesus is with you in the midst of your storm, suddenly all the fears, all the things that's popping up, they go lay down and they have nothing. There's one last thing that I quickly want to show you guys and then I want to end off with a story. And it's in verse 24 where Paul goes on. And he tells the guys what this angel actually said. He says, the angel said to me, do not be afraid, Paul. You must. Everybody say, you must. You must. Stand trial before Caesar and God has graciously given you the lives of all, sorry, who sailed with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. In other words, what what the angel came to tell Paul is that, Paul, this storm is not going to take you down. This is not going to be your last storm. This is not going to be your last battle. After this storm, I have many more battles for you to go and fight. And for people sitting in storms today, you need to hear this. 
And I know you need to hear it. Some of us need to hear it. That the storm that you're in, it's not your last storm. There are many other things, great, good things that God has planned for you. Other battles that you need to go and fight. This is not the end. Take heart, take courage. No, God will walk with you through the midst of this storm. In fact, God wants you to learn as much as you can possibly learn in the middle of the storm with him by your side. Discover what it means to find strength in his presence or find peace in the midst of your storm. Because when you walk out of it, there are people that's going to go through exactly the same storm that you are going through right now. And you're going to have the privilege to look them in the eye and say, we've survived unfaithfulness in our marriage. And Jesus was there. It's possible. Let me tell you. I will walk with you. And I will encourage you. We've overcome our financial burden and our hardship. We know what it means to pay off all of our debt. We've been there. We've experienced it. And let me tell you, Jesus provides for everything you need. We've been there. So carry on. Get through this storm. God has many things for you on the other side of it. Then I want to end off with my own story. A story of my own storm. And I thought it well to share stories when it comes to these things because it's through stories that we encourage one another. And by sharing the story, I'm not saying that I've gone through the worst storms in life. I probably haven't, and it probably com doesn't even compare with the storm that you're sitting in or have gone through. But still, I thought it would be good just to share it. The first storm I've ever experienced in my life, the one that really threw me off guard and caught me off guard and totally threw my life around, and spun it out of control was when I was about 13 years old and I was sexually abused by my best friend. As a young man, I really didn't know what to do with this. It was overwhelming for me at that stage. And after that moment, suddenly I found my whole life in a storm. I was overwhelmed by sense of value, feeling dirty, feeling that I've done something wrong or that I'm not good enough. And... Um, Honestly, in the middle of that storm, so this is the first part of my storm story, and this storm wasn't caused by me. It was caused by someone else that threw my life into chaos. And trying to work it out, trying to deal with it, I made a storm of my own choosing, and I decided to cope in the midst of the storm by turning to pornography, like so many men does. That was my way out. And it was for so much more than just the kick that I would get out of. It's actually kind of trying to fit in and trying to be one of the guys. Because I felt so violent. I felt so rejected after the incident that kicked off this storm in my life. Needless to say, it was about two years that I've journeyed with the storm raging inside of me. Nobody knowing. It's only me. It's only me. And I'm trying to bury and cover this secret for two years long now. And I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. My life is falling apart. I almost didn't make standard six, grade eight. I was almost gone there. Didn't make it. Luckily, I have good parents that loves me and help me. And um, two years after, by the grace of God, they sent me on a camp. And um, on this camp, it was a Christian camp, God spoke to me clearly, loudly, and I heard his voice. 
I must say, in the middle of my journey and my battle in the storm of pornography, I was even at that stage still wondering, what's, is this right? Is it wrong? What's going on? Even though deep down I really knew it. And, and on that camp, God made it so clear for me. I repented and I embraced his forgiveness and his grace for the choice that I, for my own self-made storm. And as life would have it, when we got back from that camp, a week later, my parents called me into their room, and they're like, Lorraine, we found this bill on the telephone, and we see it's only internet visits. And here is the history. Can you tell us what's going on? I'm like, oh, man, why now? Why now? <laughs> I got caught out in that moment, but still didn't realize it. And, and obviously looking back, I realized this is God's grace. Because that became the moment where I could open up my heart about the other storm that kicked off this raging storm in my life. I told them the whole story. I told them where I am now and that I've repented and everything is over. And my dad, with tears in his eyes that night, praying over his young boy, never realizing this would happen became the accountability partner that walked me out of that storm. I walked with him all the way. Uh, he was the one that whenever I got in trouble, whenever I had urges, whatever, I would call him and I would like, pray for me, Dad, pray for me. I'm in this space. And he would pray for me. He was the one that walked me through that space. Now, this was the biggest storm that I think my life, my early young life has ever experienced. And it had probably one of the most profound effects later on in my life. It's the one with the most battle scars in my life. But can I tell you that God has used this storm that he has taken me through. And I cannot tell you how many young men I have journeyed with that has gone through the same kind of storm that I'm going through or that I've gone through. And by the grace of God, how many young men have conquered that storm? I've seen so many men been standing up once again, proudly, without shame or guilt. I've seen marriages flourishing again just because God is the one that's with us in the midst of our storm. And he can come and speak to our greatest fears. And what I want to tell you with this story is if Jesus can do it for me, and if he can do it for other men, for other people out there, he can do it for you today. He can speak into your storm. He can stand up and he can speak to the wind and he can speak to the waves and they will obey his command. They won't question him. They will just go down because all authority has been given to him. Let's pray. as you have your eyes closed, I quickly want to read you just one verse. It's in Psalm 46. It's very short, but I really want you to take this in and maybe own it if it's yours this morning. It says the following, God is my refuge. He is my strength. He is an ever-present. I love that word. 
He is ever-present. Guys, He's always present. He's an ever-present help in my times of trouble. I thought it well this morning that while our eyes are closed, just to give you an opportunity. If you just want to put up your hand saying, God, I'm in the middle of my storm. I, I need to claim and need to say, Jesus, come and help me. I want to ask you to raise your hand because I want to pray for you. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And then if you put your hand up, you can put it down again. I'm going to pray just now. I want to ask something else. And I know this is going to be exposing. But everybody's eyes are closed. But if you are in a self-made storm, a storm of your own making, I want you to quickly put up your hand because I have something I want to share with you. Amen. You can just let it down again after you've put it up. If you're in a self-made storm, your your situation that you find yourself. And I want to tell you what Jesus is going to say to the wind and to the waves of your storm. The wind and the waves in your storm is probably called guilt and shame. And I want to tell you something that Jesus has to say about guilt. Romans 8 verse 1 says, If you're in me, no matter what you've done, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. I've canceled all your debt. Anything that you might have done and what you still might do, I have already dealt with it. I am your hope in the middle of your self-made storm. And when it comes to your shame, I looked at my son and I said, you are my beloved. You are the beloved of the Father. I want you to hear it this morning. Father, let's pray together. Guys, Jesus, thank you so much that in the midst of our storms, our greatest storms, when the waves are raging and, and it feels like there's no hope and it's never going to end, Father, thank you for every person that's put up their hands saying, Jesus, I want you to come and stand in the midst of my storm and speak to the waves and to the wind, calm the seas, because it's not in the absence of my storm that I find peace, Father. Today, I want to say it's in the presence of the Prince of Peace that I have hope and that through your authority and your word speaking in this storm and just being with you in the midst of this, Father, I pray that you would come and send hearts to rest. Give them peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.